0: And welcome in to the UMBC Ryan Odom Coaches Report. Gary Stone, along with UMBC head basketball coach Ryan Odom, a big week for UMBC basketball this past week. We'll talk about it in a minute. We'll also meet the third set of brothers that have ever played for UMBC. The Schweitz brothers will be our guest, and of course John Feinstein. In that segment, will talk about the state of college basketball and an interesting Hall of Fame potential for one of the subjects of one of the books that he wrote way back in the day. But first, UMBC basketball coach yeah. Odom, welcome in. Thank you. How are you? Doing well. Good. Yeah, doing well. Big week for UMBC basketball two wins both at home against the Binghamton Bearcats and then a thrilling overtime game against Albany let's go back to Binghamton first sure. you guys were coming off a, a tough road trip you had the home game on Wednesday night and we're able to extend by 19 over the Bearcats
1: yeah big win for us you know certainly uh, coming off a tough loss at UMass Lowell we wanted to you know put our best foot forward and play well you know here at home in front of our fans and you know, I thought you know from the beginning of the game, you know there was a, definitely a sense of urgency that our team had on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, that that spurred us on offense. Some, and uh, we were able to play well throughout that game. A lot of lot of contributions from different folks, uh, different players in that game. But I thought the defense was really key. You know, holding a a quality opponent to forty eight, you know was was great.
0: It was one of the lowest uh, defense. Or- point totals that ULBC has given up in quite a while actually, I think in the last three or four years. Um, from that game, you go into the Albany game on Saturday afternoon. Historically, Albany has been a t- team that's given yeah. UBC a lot of trouble, just like the University of Vermont has over time, although well, they did have a big win against Albany last year, as well as Vermont, and this was a, this was a nip and tuck it game was. really all the way. I think the largest uh, lead for either team was maybe five or six points. Uh, and then basically, it came down to the final couple minutes, and we'll get to that in a second. But just give me a little bit about the ebb and flow of that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a tough, hard fought battle. I mean, a defensive battle, um, you know, mind you. And, and I thought, you know, Albany played, played well, you know, throughout the game. Uh, they got really good contribution from Healy, who I think is a dynamite, you know, young player for, for the future of our league. Uh, you know, he ended up with, I think, 22, 24 points or something like that in the game really a tough guard, you know, for any program. And, uh, you know, he got off to a good start. And, uh, you know, I think their defense was excellent, you know, throughout the first half. Uh, So we're down, I think it was three at half. Uh, Walk into the locker room and guys were a little bit down, you know, quite honestly, at that point. And I I walked in and I said, hey guys, do do you all need to tell me something? Did we lose the game already? (laughs) And uh, they are like, no, 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 we're good, we're good. And, uh, yeah, they came out of half and, and played pretty well. And it was just back and forth. And, you know, Albany ended up kind of stretching the lead out there. And every time they would stretch it, our guys would, would fight back. And, you know, a lot of times it was through the defense, you know, and, and making something happen. And so it was, good, it was good for me personally as a coach to see our team be able to succeed and find a way, you know, within that game to be able to get it done. I think both teams are probably going through something a little bit similar right now. You know, ours certainly a little more, uh, you know, we've got some injuries you know, to some key players, and so we're having to adjust there. They've got, you know, uh, they, they had two guards leave their program last year, and so they're, like we did, you know, the ours graduated, and, and so all of a sudden we're kind of both in a little bit in transition. And so it was a really good battle, you know, for two, two teams that have some younger players having to step up, you know, at key times.
0: You know, Joe Sherburn is your leading scorer, and he's having a tough shooting situation yeah. right now over the last few games, but there are so many things. You just mentioned the defensive effort. Yeah. There are so many things that Joe Sherburn does outside of scoring points uh, yeah. that don't show up in the box score. The charges he takes, the you know, the tough defense, et cetera. Even though he only had four or five points in that game, he was a major part of that game.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I rarely take him out of the game, obviously, because he is so you know valuable to our team on both sides of the ball and you know we all know he can shoot and uh you know the unfortunate thing is that the other teams know he can shoot they know he can shoot as well so they try to limit how many shots he can get off and you know some of joe's shots are going to have to be you know he's going to have to be okay with you know them being contested at times uh because those are the only shots that he's going to really be able to get and we're certainly searching you know to, to try to find opportunities to get him open looks uh, but, you know, when a guy's attached to you, it's not as easy.
0: And Arkel Lamar also didn't have a great shooting performance either, but he did make a key steal. He did. And we'll talk about that. Um, that really helped UMBC get there. And then we'll get to the overtime, the final decision by you. Just talk a little bit about uh, about Arkel's defense and great hands on that steal.
1: Yeah. He's really growing, you know, as a player, certainly on defense. He's paying attention to what we're trying to get across to him, you know, in terms of being in gaps and, and and not being, uh, uh, you know, not gambling as Mm -hmm. much. You know, certainly that's a strength of his because he can knock balls loose. But occasionally it could be a weakness as well because he gets himself out of position. And so he's doing a much better job of making sure that his position is his help so he can kind of do two things at once. And that was a good example of it. And we needed it at that point. You know, we're up, we're down two. And, you know, we need a stop on that particular possession or else it's probably gonna be over. And he comes up with a huge stop, a steal, and ends up laying it in the basket. And then we got one more stop to kind of get it into overtime, which was huge. And then let's talk about the
0: overtime. Let's set it up. There's nine seconds now left to play. Albany's on top, 64-62. You guys have an inbounds play called. You bring in Ricky Council into yep. the basketball game. He hadn't played in quite a while. In fact, sure. like he only played seven minutes the whole game. Yeah. Tell us go, go through that with us. What you were thinking and why you called the play that you called.
1: Yeah. I mean, certainly it's a play that we work on from time to time. Not certainly an everyday thing, but you know our guys are, are, are understand the play. And you know, for us, you know, Ricky's an excellent shooter and a guy that can make shots. At Hartford, we drew up a play for him to to get a shot, you know, at the end of the game uh, there from three. It almost went down, or else we would have won that one. And it just kind of rattled out. And so, you know, I wanted to give him another chance at it. And you know, certainly that wasn't the only option on the play. Uh, we didn't have to have a three at that particular time. It could have been a two as well. We wanted to take the first the best first shot that we could get, um, and certainly he was open. Jose made a great read. RJ, you know, did a nice job of kind of pseudo-screening there and getting out to the other side. Their defenders got mixed up a little bit, and Ricky was open, and so Jose trusted his teammate and pitched it ahead, and, and it couldn't happen to a better guy. Yeah,
0: so 65-64 was the final, UMBC now three and two in the conference as we enter this week's play. You you talked about Jose. It's um, Jose Placer, the freshman guard from Orlando, was voted Rookie of the Week in the America East, had extensive action against both Binghamton and Albany. Yeah. Really nice player. Talk a little bit about his development.
1: He's really growing. Um, You know, we've seen it a lot in practice. We've seen it occasionally in games. He's had some moments in games where he's played exceptionally well. And you kind of can see the jump shot, or you can see him driving and, and kicking it to another player you know, for an open look. You know, he, he understands the game. He's played point guard his whole life. He's been getting adjusted to college. And, you know, I think the cool thing for us as a staff and our team is that we've got two freshman guards that are, that are different, you know, they're both different. You know, RJ, you know, provides some size and he's very safe with the ball, but is a good driver and kick guy. And then Jose's got a beautiful jump shot and, and he's got the ability to score going to the rim as well. And so they're they're a tough matchup, and you know when KJ went out, KJ fouls out of the game, and now we have two freshmen that kind of have to lead us down the stretch and, and control the ball, you know, at the end of the game. And, and kudos to those guys for being able to get it done.
0: I mean, RJ just doesn't turn the ball over. Period.
1: Yeah. He's got like
0: 11 turnovers in over 400 minutes. He hasn't turned yeah. the ball over in four games. Now that I've said that, of course. But, oh please. Right. Um, <laughs> tough week. Yeah, you 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 leave tomorrow. You yeah. go up to Vermont, and then sure. you got New Hampshire on the weekend. Yeah. Vermont, of course, the site of a tremendous game last year in the American yeah. East Conference tournament. You're depleted. Yeah. Um, what kind of what what do you go into that game with?
1: Yeah, I mean certainly we go in like we do in every game with with we're optimistic about how we want to play and we're optimistic about you know competing to win, and that's how we go into every game regardless of who the opponent is. Having said that Vermont's you know probably the best team right now on both sides of the ball in our league along with Stony Brook those two teams have haven't lost a game yet Mm -hmm. and are playing really good ball Uh, certainly there are other teams you know that are in the mix as well it's it's still early in the conference Uh, but Vermont you know has established themselves as a really good squad and uh, you know they've got a go-to player in Lamb they've got an experienced guard in Ernie Duncan and they've got multiple other options there that you know they can go to. Anytime you go up there and play against uh, against them and Patrick Jim, you know, you're in for a fight. Uh, they rarely lose there. You know, it's a place that, you know, is is they, they support their team in a positive way. And uh, it's a fun environment to play in, it really is. What
0: kind of a reception do you think you guys will get there?
1: Same as we always do, you know. <laughs> I mean, same as we always do. I mean, I, I really do. I have a lot of respect for Vermont and uh, what they've been able to accomplish over the years, and certainly since I've been in the league. Uh, they've, they've done an amazing job and uh, you know, it's an honor to share the court with them to be honest yeah
0: totally agree okay we'll take a time out here when we come back we will check in with uh, John Feinstein right our my play my play broadcast partner on the ESPN three games we'll do that when the UMBC Ryan Odom Coaches Show continues right after this Welcome back to the show. Gary Stein, along with UMBC head men's basketball coach Ryan Odom, joined on the phone by my broadcast partner, your New York Times best-selling author, John Feinstein, with us. John, welcome in. How are you?
2: Very cold, <laughs> um, but very very. I had a great day. I just got back from the Harvard-Howard basketball game at at Bird Gym on the Howard campus, and uh, the two coaches, uh, Kevin Nickelberry and Tommy Amaker, I know Ryan knows both of them, uh, very intentionally scheduled the game for Martin Luther King's birthday, and it was just a great, great afternoon. It really was.
0: And you had mentioned that the, uh, was it the Harlem Gospel Choir? The Harlem
2: Gospel Choir did the National Anthem a cappella. Both teams standing together with their arms locked on honor Dr. King and yeah. the anthem, of course. And it was just absolutely, you know, the, you hear the anthem played and sung a lot of different ways on a lot of different days. But, boy, these guys just blew it out. It was If you didn't get a chill at the end of that, something was wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. And, Coach, yeah. it being Martin Luther King sure. Day, you had Freeman Rubowski, the, the president, Dr. Freeman Hrabowski, talk to your team. About uh, Martin Luther King, and he was right there. Uh, tell us how that went with them.
1: With yeah, it was obviously it was very inspiring. Uh, anytime he walks into a room and, and addresses a group, it's a, if you're not like like you just said, if you're not inspired, something's probably wrong with you. And uh, you know, our, our guys obviously are very close with him, and uh, you know, have learned, learned so much from him. I thought it was important, you know, typically we have a game on, on Martin Luther King Day in, in conference and this is the first year that we haven't since I've been here. And so I thought it was important to be able to get, get uh, Dr. Rabowski over. He agreed to do it and uh, we just sat in the locker room and talked for about 30 minutes. And uh, you know, the message was was really, really good, obviously inspiring. He talked about hope, you know, he talked about dreams, you know, he talked about, you know being you know being intentional and, and seeking the truth and and uh, our players you know were able to ask him questions about his childhood and growing up you know because a lot of these kids you know obviously we're not all of these kids weren't born when this was going on you know and and when Dr. King you know was 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 impacting the world at that point and uh, I wasn't born you know at that time so all we know is what our parents kind of right. has told us and uh, so it's it's really important that you know we never forget, you know, we never forget where we were because we certainly don't ever want to go back, right? And you know we're in a unique time, you know, in our world. And and uh, you know he talked a lot about hope. You know he's hopeful. You know because of everything that's going on right now, he's hopeful of where things can go because people do care. They clearly care. Yeah.
2: You know. I'll just add um, two two little facts to to to, to that. But. Ryan just said one that you guys both know is that Dr. Rabowski marched with Martin Luther King yes, he did. Yeah. when he was 12 years old in Birmingham and actually went to jail. Yeah. Um, which of all the remarkable things about Dr. Rabowski, that's the one that just blows me away yeah. completely. And the other one you guys may not know uh, when when Dr. King gave his. Uh, I have a dream speech on the mall in 1963. One of his bodyguards that day was a Villanova basketball player named George Ravling. And as Dr. King walked off the podium at the end of the speech, George noticed that he'd left his notes from the speech behind. And he picked them up and walked over to Dr. King and said, Dr. King, would you like these? And he said, no, keep them. And George did. And he still has them to
1: this day. (laughs) That is amazing. What an amazing story. Isn't that extraordinary? That That is extraordinary.
0: And then, John, am I right? George George Raveling ended up coaching uh, USC, USC, right?
2: Well, yeah, he coached Washington State. He coached Iowa. He was an assistant coach to Bob Knight on the 84 Olympic team. uh, And he coached uh, uh, USC, and he's he's in the the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the more interesting and remarkable people I've met in basketball through the years.
0: And as you both know, Dr. Rabowski was at the UMBC Albany game uh, and saw a thrilling finish to that game. John, I really haven't had a chance to talk to you about the finish yet, and I know you've got some questions for Ryan. <laughs> but what were your thoughts as the, the 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 final play with nine seconds were unfolding?
2: Well. Uh, my thought when when you know we talked about Ricky Council coming into the game, right? Uh, to, to because Ryan wanted to get another shooter on the floor in that in that circumstance, down two. Uh, and uh, when when had he last been in Ryan? Like eighteen minutes left, probably
1: in the around half. then. Yeah, and, what is it, and wasn't was his best and effort and he had not during that time.
2: Taking one shot that was deflected. Right. And my thought was that you know Ricky was out there to provide a, 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 a decoy. Yeah. <laughs> And Ryan, Ryan calls the play for Ricky, who's open in the corner, and he makes the shot like he's in an empty gym in practice or something. And uh, and then the, the frenetic ending because Albany was out of timeouts. And, and uh, I, I, I think you guys both know that I am rarely uh, uh, speechless, but I think I was speechless when that game ended.
0: <laughs> yeah I it had to try to get I had to try to goad something and as out they of
2: you line off the air. It was either with the dumbest coaching move in history or the smartest and apparently it was the smartest right <laughs>
0: what what motivated you to call that play like why, why that one?
1: Well it's an end of game play mm-hmm. full court play that we have in and you know it, it sometimes it'll it'll catch folks you know when you pitch it ahead like that they're just not expecting it right. And, uh, you know, certainly it was an opportunity for us to try to get a quick shot up, you know. And, and the message to the team was, we don't have to have a three here, but we're going to test it. Let's see if they guard it right. If they guard it right, you know, then we won't take that. Jose will keep going to the basket, and he'll try to get to the rim because we're only down two. And R.J. pops out, Arkel's coming in behind, Joe's coming in behind the play. You still have enough time, you know, to, to do something else. And if you remember, Jose had just gotten to the basket you know, the previous play. And so, you know, Jose saw him. He was wide open and maybe not wide open, but he felt like he had enough time to be able to get it off. And uh, he pitched it ahead to him and, and Ricky didn't hesitate. You know, he did his job there. And we all are confident in Ricky shooting the ball when he has room and rhythm. I mean, we, you can watch him in practice and just know, like, the guy can shoot the rock. And so we just have to put him in more of those positions to where he's, he's open and, and has room. It was, it was and quite an ending. the most important
2: thing, I think, yeah. is, you know backing up what you just said, Ryan, is that even though he has struggled with his shot at times this year, Ricky clearly still has confidence in himself. Yeah, exactly. And that's what allowed him to go out on the court after not being in the game for so long and take that shot in rhythm and, and drain it. Yeah,
0: John, you you had a really interesting day, actually, because that wasn't your only basketball game. You went up to Delaware about an hour and a half up and called the Towson Delaware game. And while UMBC's win was the uh, was the thrill of victory, that may have been the agony of defeat for Delaware up there.
2: Yeah, that was a very d- d- difficult loss for them. I I, I I said I did two games on television uh, on Saturday, and they were decided by a total of two points. Ooh, wow! Um, so how lucky was I? Although, and I was especially lucky that the second game didn't go overtime because I wanted to get on the road and get back down I ninety five, and I was very glad it was just rain and not snow, given the weather reports. But uh, Delaware led the game by eighteen in the last minute of the first half, um, and led by 15 at halftime and Towson, um, you just Somehow, we, we know how tough-minded Towson can be. We saw it at UMBC in December. Just kept grinding and grinding and getting offensive rebounds and uh, played much better defense in the second half and ended up taking the lead on, on a, a shot by Zach Thomas, who hadn't played the previous two games and was limping around on a bad hip almost the whole night. And then uh, their best shooter, who'd had a, 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 a tough shooting that he made his first three and then didn't make another one, uh, got fouled with 1.1 seconds left to go um, and missed the first 76% free throw shooter, uh, Pat, Flan- uh, Pat Flannery, uh, Pat Scary calls timeout and he missed the second. Wow. Towson rebounds, and game's over, and, and they win. It was, it was an uh, amazing win for Towson, really, because they lost six in a row, and really, a, obviously, a heartbreaking loss for Martin Inglesby and his team.
0: Mm, right, that is a shame. Hey, John. It was a fun
2: day, though, I'll, say, I'll tell you that much. It yeah. was really a fun day for me.
1: Two good games.
0: Yeah. Hey, John, a final thought here real quick. The Hall of Fame, uh, talking about Major League Baseball, actually announces its incoming class tomorrow. And Mike Messina, by all accounts, has a really good shot of finally making it. The reason why I bring it up is because you wrote a book about that season, Glavin and Messina, uh, called On the Black. Uh, This was a few years ago. Uh, Your impressions and what you learned about Mike Messina when you were doing the book?
2: Uh, Yeah, it was 12 years ago, believe it or not, Gary. I can't believe it. When I wrote Living on the Black. I chose Messina and Glavin as my subjects for that book because I'd known them both, and they're two of the brightest guys I've met uh, in sports. Now Mike graduated from Stanford in three and a half years. Tom never went to college because he was offered so much money by the Atlanta Braves uh, to, to, to sign a, a baseball contract. But you know, is every bit as bright as Mike, which is saying a lot. Um, and Mike, working with Mike was great because he's one of the few athletes I've ever met. Who, when you ask him a question, he doesn't answer it right away. He actually thinks about it hmm. before he answers, and then he'll give you, most of the time, a very good answer. Now, if if you're new to Mike Messina, he he can be a little he can be a little bit uh, prickly, let's say. I stood at his locker on a number of occasions when guys he didn't know would walk up and say, "Hey, Mike, can I ask you a question?" And his response was always, "You just did." <laughs>
3: so, <laughs>
2: So not an easy guy starting out, but I hope he makes it tomorrow. He had 64% of the vote last year. You need 75%. Uh, the only guy, new guy on the ballot who's an absolute lock is Mariano Rivera. Uh, you can vote for up to 10 if you if you have a vote for the Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, and and I hope Mike makes it. He won 270 games. was one of the most consistent pitchers uh, in, in, of his era. Uh, pitched for some bad Oriole teams and still always had good numbers and uh, uh, I, I sincerely hope he makes it tomorrow. Yeah.
0: John, sounds good, my friend. I'll see you, uh, we'll see you in about a week or so.
2: I will look forward to it. Thank you, John. Thanks, guys. Take All care.
0: Right. That is John Feinstein joining us here on the show. We'll take a timeout, and when we come back, we'll meet the third set of brothers that have ever played for UMBC basketball. The Schweitz brothers will be our guests when we return right after this. Respect is hard work. Respect is dedication.
4: Respect is earned on the court or on the field. Respect doesn't judge based on sexual orientation or gender identity.
1: Respect is being the first conference to partner with the You Can Play Project. And the first conference
2: in the LGBT Sports Safe Founders Club. Respect coaches, players, and the game. Respect similarities. Respect differences. Spread respect. Spread respect. Spread respect. And
0: welcome back to the UNBC Ryan Odom Basketball Report. Gary Stein, along with Coach Ryan Odom. Uh, the answer is you're not seeing double, okay? We do have two player guests with us, and if they kind of look alike, there's a good reason for that. They are actually brothers. It's the Schweitz brothers. Sam, Jack, welcome in. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Uh, not, not too bad.
4: I'm doing great. Good. Happy to be
0: here. Okay. Um, is this your TV debut in terms of, like, being interviewed as brothers?
3: Yeah, I've never been interviewed with him. Okay. Yes,
4: this will be my first time as well.
0: Okay. Coach, first of all, from you, yeah. um, you already had Sam. And I'm sure Sam told you about Jack. So is that how this kind of happened or what did happen?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the initial connection, um, you know, through through Sam and, and us just, you know, genuinely following, you know, their family and kind of what was, what was happening with them. Obviously, you know, Jack was an inspiring Aspiring basketball player at the time, too, and, and uh, you know, the two sides, it has to be right for both, and, you know, as it got down to it, um, you know, it, it became less about, oh, my brother's here, it's like, is this the right situation, you know, for, for both of us, for Jack, you know, as a player mm-hmm. and a student, and then obviously for, from our perspective, you know, was he right for us as well, and at the right time, and uh, he was.
0: And we'll talk about what that means in a minute. But first, let's go to you, Sam. This isn't the first time you've actually played with your brother. You guys had a year in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, give us a little about, I'll tell you what, you give us a little about him, and then he'll give us a little about you. What What would you say about your brother, Jack?
3: You know, I used to, we used to play in the backyard probably every day. 365 days a year, cold weather, snow, didn't really stop us. And. For a while, I used to always beat Jack because I was taller than him. <laughs> but as he grew and he got a little better, it started getting more competitive around h- high school and it got more fun. And I think we both got better from it and he's only gotten better since I got to school. Um, he's actually grown a lot in terms of like how he plays and how much more he can do since like I left home to come here. So mm-hmm. it's, it's great to see that he's still growing
0: with me gone. So you're 6'9", 6'8", 6'9"? Yeah, I'm in that range. OK, and Jack, you're
4: what? 6'5". 6'5". Six, six, five.
0: Six, five. Yeah. So like, did you have a growth spurt?
4: Yeah. Um, My freshman year, I was like, what, 5'11"? And then I uh, shot up my sophomore year, like 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, and then my junior year is when I sprouted up to like 6'4", and then I'm just kind of just Staying at 6'5 as right now, Mm -hmm. but um, hopefully for a couple more inches, but I don't know.
0: So, what do you say about the 365 days a year that you guys played against each other? Yeah,
4: we used to always go in the backyard. There's been brawls sometimes where people (laughs) were getting cut up and kids cry when we were little, but it was always super fun. And I mean, Sam kind of like showed me basketball, and I've always like kind of. When Sam started playing, I've always been like the kid that wanted like be around Sam and like be around the guys and stuff like that when I was little. So I just kind of like followed Sam, and I was like kind of stuck with me too as well. Hmm. Yeah.
0: What kind of camaraderie do they have for you in the cl- in the locker room and on road trips?
1: Yeah, I mean certainly they look out for one another, and and initially it was Sam kind of you know looking out for Jack, but but you see it in reverse as well, and. Uh, you know, obviously, Sam's you know playing a little bit more than Jack is right now, and he's his biggest fan you know mm-hmm. out there, and and. Uh Sam does a really good job of being big brother understanding that it's not easy to be a freshman you know he's been through it before right and I think he does a good job of mentoring him and helping him uh, while you know giving him the business every now and then sure
0: Um, one thing that I think is really easily noticeable when you guys are either on the bench or on the floor is the amount of fun that you guys seem to be having whether you're playing together or not really you you could be on the floor you could be on the bench whatever but the amount of smiles that come out of your faces, no matter what the situation is, I think leads the team in that category. Yeah, I mean, I've,
3: I mean, even we weren't playing together, I would, I would go to his tournaments and he would go to mine, so it's always just been like you're cheering for, like I guess it's your family, but it's also as an individual person because you want to see him succeed. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome to see him when he succeeds and he gets that smile because he gets energetic and when he gets going, you know, he's fun to watch.
0: I, I totally agree. From, from your perspective, was UMBC, because Sam was here, was it like a no-brainer for you, or what went into your decision?
4: You know, I thought a lot. I mean, I came up here, and then I met all the coaches and got a good feel with them, and they, you know, made me feel like home. And then, you know, Sam being here as well, it's just like a second person to go to. Like, someone's not going right, you can always go talk to him, and that was a no-brainer as well. I was like, okay, Sam's here. Like, it's a good fit. Like, I like the coaches a lot, and the arena's huge, it's nice, it's perfect. And I just, I thought it was a really good fit, that's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Coach, from, from, from your perspective, to, to have brothers, is that any different at all than just two other players?
1: It is a little bit different, it is. you know. Like, sometimes, you know, we'll be in a huddle and, you know, we'll be coaching, you know, call it the black team, gold team, whatever, and they're, they happen to be on the same team. And a negative play just happened. Well, sometimes the brothers come out, you know, and I have to <laughs> remind them, "All right, let's talk. Let's talk normal to one another." Right. <laughs> but they do a really good job. I'll have to give them a lot of credit. You know, they really do support one another in a positive way, which is which is unique. It really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they've both done well since they've been here.
0: Yeah, you had an interesting year last year. You were part of the NCAA the greatest upset ever, basically mm-hmm. as far as the tournament, but you had to watch from the bench because you registered of the year, ankle ankle surgery. Yeah. Was that, how was that for you?
3: You know, you you always want to say like, hey, like I wanted to play a part in it, but if one thing changes, who knows what would have happened. So it, as much as I want to wish that I was healthy and I got to participate, like being like a part of that moment, even if it's not like, like being playing in that moment I think was pretty special and I wouldn't take that away from myself or anybody else mm-hmm. um, but also it's inspiring like if I still get chills when I watch like highlights of the game because like that's like the guys I spend probably 90% of my year with like every day we're here together laughing grinding like in a lot of pain but we're still here like so it was awesome to just see all the success and all the hard work come together in the end.
0: And, and from your perspective you're watching it from a couple thousand miles away and could you believe what you were seeing? Me and my mom actually were
4: able to make the trip out. Um, you, you were? Last okay. second. Yeah we found uh, two flights real quick and we got to go and it was probably the most crazy thing ever I've, <laughs> I've ever seen. I, it was halftime it was 21-21 and I'm just like They got this, they got this in the back, and they just slowly kept extending the lead. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is really happening, this is insane. Wow,
0: that's awesome. Them coming from a very athletic family, which we'll talk about in a moment, not just basketball, but all sports. Ice hockey sprinter uh, Jack was telling me his sister is a bobsledder. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an, that's an interesting athletic dynamic.
1: It really is A unique family, and and certainly they have two great parents. And uh, mom obviously has been able to attend more more games than than dad has. But I mean, watching her smile, you know, seeing her boys play and be together. Yeah. I mean, that's there, there's not much more a mother could ask for, and uh, it's really fun. I'm excited, you know, for their whole family, but. Mm-hmm. You know, she's probably the athletic one of the whole group, right? Is she the most athletic? She is. That's where it comes
3: from? Yeah, she's 52, and she weighs less than she did when she had her wedding day. Wow. And She's she's running a marathon Um, in Long
0: Beach this week.
4: How about that? Yeah.
0: So, and I was telling you guys before we started taping that really, maybe we could spend just a couple minutes, you guys tell us a couple stories. You know, about growing up, about competing against one another, etc. Both of you, of course, had those big smiles on your face, okay? So Sam, why don't you go ahead and start and just, I don't know, give me something good that happened. Something good. Whatever, yeah.
3: Okay, so one of the days, backyard basketball, obviously. And uh, you know, Jack trips and he says, I pushed him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's got a little blood on his arm or whatever, he's really upset, Because he goes, check up. So I check the ball up, and I'm going to the, the basket, and I just get shoved right into the fence, had a huge gash in my arm, and not to, not to say that words were not exchanged, but they were, but, and we kept playing. I, I think you, both of us probably had cuts and scrapes and bruises, and we walked in the house, and my mom was like, what the happened? And I was like, uh, we've tripped. It's <laughs> another day out in the backyard. And we probably did the same thing the next day, too. So, obviously, you know, we've always been competitive. But at the same time, at the end of it, we were always smiling and laughing. So,
0: so you being the little brother, right? Yeah. And he kind of probably dominated you oh, for a while. For sure. How did it feel when you finally started to catch up to him and, you know, kind of give it back to him?
4: I feel like I was behind for, like, the longest time. <laughs> and then, like, as soon as, like, I got to, like, the middle school, I was, like, I was really chubby. And mm. I was growing a little bit. And so I felt like I could able to bully him a little bit more. And so that's when I started to like, maybe beat him once every 10 times, and then I kept it kept like back and forth between so us. So what is it now? Yeah. I do when's the last time we played? Oh, uh, right? we
3: played pick up at Impact.
4: Yeah, we did. And I won. And I won did. the whole he, thing. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he did, luckily. It was like, I was down by one somehow, and he had a lucky shot. Do you, you believe
3: it or not, I actually made five threes in that series. <laughs> five threes. Five threes, <laughs> threes to
0: win that thing. It's so more than you made in your career, I Yeah, I think I'm 0 for 0 right now, so. Wait. How how did you grow up a Laker fan? No, you're you're a Spurs fan. No, I'm a...
3: You were a Spurs fan. Yeah, I've always admired the Spurs style of basketball. I would say they're probably my favorite. But kind of the Warriors have adopted that now. Okay. It's a little different. They have a lot of different players. And are
4: you still a Lakers fan? I am. I mean, I'm kind of a LeBron fan. So I would just really admire him. And just from him bouncing around teams, I just kind of like stuck with LeBron. So wherever LeBron goes, that's who I'm with. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So you're a junior. Yeah. You've got this year and next year, mm-hmm. so you're going to play together for two years. You played together, I was talking to Jack, one year in high school together. Yeah. Was that different than what it is now? Um,
3: Jack missed a good portion of that year with an yeah, ankle injury.
4: I broke my ankle. Okay.
3: But uh, I would say it's different in, in how we fit because he, he was more of a one at yeah, that time than. I was he was pretty short. And so he, was, he would dribble the ball up, and if he would turn it over, he'd hear a lot of whip from me because I was probably a little more immature in terms of being able to handle adversity mm-hmm. than I am now. So I would say it's a lot different. He's more of a, I would say, a, a playmaker or a scorer in terms,
1: not a necessarily a, handling the rock. And yeah. distributing well, the ball. let's ask
0: Coach, how, how, how do you see Jack?
1: He's a versatile player. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he can make shots, he can make them not only off the catch, but he can make them off the dribble in one-on-one situation. Uh, you know, he's, he's a really good passer. Um, you know, in AAU, actually, they uh, they won the whole thing in the EYBL, the Oakland, Oakland Soldiers. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the guards is playing at Georgetown now, yep. right, and the other guard's playing James. at, at uh, Virginia. 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 And he played right alongside with them mm-hmm. and did extremely well in some high-level games. And, you know, Sam was able to go and watch him play and his mom and And dad as well, uh, in those games, but he's carried that on here. I mean, he's got a really bright future. Uh, you know, he's a versatile guard for us. And uh, I'm excited, you know, that he's on our team. Do
0: do you room them together? Uh,
1: no, no, they don't. You you have Brandon, right? I have Brandon, yeah, I brandon. I've
0: no one, I've had no one for four
3: years, uh about a change, but I guess I'm gonna have to find somebody new next year. Yeah.
1: And Joe has Portman. Yeah, (laughs) Joe it's Joe will not release Portman. (laughs) Yeah. Joe's not
4: trading.
0: Um, what do you think about uh, the year-over-year? The year? In other words, last year, the high mm-hmm. of, doing, of the team doing what it did mm-hmm. and now coming back to work this year. Obviously, you love playing the game of basketball. Yeah. But is it difficult to come off that high and start all over again?
3: Well, personally, I think I was more hungry than ever because I, I missed you. a year. Yeah. And I, I wanted to get back. I was, definitely had some weight issues from not being able to move for four months. So I really focused on my eating and, like, my cardio. Like, last game of even said, like, I, I need to get more wins. So that's what I focused on, and I was <laughs> able to play a lot longer in the next game, and it paid off because we won. So I, I just find myself grinding for more right now. I'm not happy with what I have.
0: You know, if I could stay with that real, real quick for one second. The year before last year, mm-hmm. so this was the 16, 17 yep. year, you made a big impact in the second half of the season, and a lot of that was about the fact that you kind of changed your body. Yeah. I, I remember talking to you about mm-hmm. this. You lost some weight. You changed your eating habits. Mm-hmm. You kind of, you know, just did it. Uh, talk to me about that transition for you. That,
3: okay, so that I dropped 20 pounds because, you know, I... I was I wasn't eating right and like I wasn't getting as many reps in practice because I I wasn't playing as much, so I decided to just you know I'd like I can't nobody else is gonna look out for me and no one, like it's not anybody else's fault but my own so if I eat right and if I train harder and if I do better then I'm only giving myself a shot to play, and it, it worked out and I think our coach Adam noticed that I was working harder and I was hungrier and it. And it, and it translated into my playing time
1: and my impact in the game
0: and, and coach you're going to need him now more than ever because yeah. of the injury situation
1: yeah without a doubt I mean certainly we're in, a, in an interesting situation right now with Dan's season being over Max's season being over as well Brandon's you know got a bad hand right now so we're down in numbers and uh, you know Sam obviously was playing anyway uh, but now he's got to play a lot more and uh, you know the last couple games he's been doing really well. And uh, he's played his role, whatever we've asked him to do, since the time I stepped on campus. So I have no doubt that he'll do the same here with his new role.
0: Mm-hmm. Jack, ha- have you noticed a difference in like intensity or whatever between the non-conference season and now you're about five games into the conference season?
4: I, I noticed a big difference. I mean, just because it's like conference season and you want to be that top, you want to be that top spot. So like, it's definitely like more locked in, I would say. But not to say that we're not locked in at our con- non-conference. Mm-hmm but it's just like okay like this is go time this is where we got to shine and like this is where the work that we put in in the summer it shows now.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you, um, you know, you were you played a lot during high school, mm-hmm. obviously. You're not playing a lot right now as far as a freshman. Is that a transition for no, you? No, it's
4: definitely a transition. It's something that I've had to grow through. and I've talked to, had a couple conversations with Coach Odom, and it's just something that you have to embrace. Mm-hmm. And so when your number's called that you're ready to go and you're always locked in for what's going on because you never know what's going to happen. Like, You know, Brandon's injured right now, so this could be my time to step up. Coach, I would say you got a good pair
1: here. I do. I'm very lucky. Very lucky coach, lucky staff, and uh, we're excited that we got the Schweitz brothers here with us.
0: Mm-hmm. This is, by the way, the third pair of brothers that have played for UMBC over the last 40 years. They had the Kane brothers back in the 70s, the Reynolds brothers in the 80s, and now the Schweitz brothers in the 2010s. Guys, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Sam, it. thank you. Jack, Oh, okay, Coach, thank you so much. Thank you. That'll do it. That's a wrap for the UMBC Ryan Odom Coaches Basketball Report. Gary Stein, and we'll see you next week.